Ever have one of those recurring memories in which you just wish you could go back and relive because now you're convinced of what you should have said or should have done? I've got one that my brain will not let go. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome, friends, to The Inner Life. I am Patrick Conley, your host for this hour of some great spiritual direction. Thanks for joining us. So here's the memory I was referring to, one of the many that I wish I could relive and change my response. It was about 25 years ago, and I was exploring a career of pastoral ministry in my Protestant tradition. They had sent me away to a retreat consisting of seminars, workshops, interviews, and prayer. During one of the seminars, a man who I didn't know, but he seemed to be highly regarded by the others who were attending, he was giving a talk, and he hit upon the theme of judging others. And I remember specifically he was pacing in front of the room, gesturing with his arms as he was trying to dissuade any of his hearers from exerting any action that could be construed as judgmental. During this rather impassioned injunction, one particular phrase of his caught me. He said, speaking hypothetically, don't judge me, don't judge what I do, because if you judge what I do, you're judging me. Now, when I heard that, a phrase immediately jumped into my mind. And now, looking back on it, oh, man, how I wish I would have raised my hand to ask, to ask, if judging what you do means I'm judging you, how do I hate the sin but love the sinner? Now, yes, I admit, part of me wanted to try to suck some of the wind out of his sails, but part of me really wanted to enter into that discussion. Can we judge actions without judging people? Much of sacred scripture would seem to suggest so. But it may not be as easy as it sounds to differentiate between the two in order truly to hate the sin and love the sinner. Well, while I neglected to raise my hand 25 years ago, we have the opportunity to have that discussion now. Our focus on the inner life today is judgment, and specifically exercising good judgment at appropriate times and toward appropriate objects, all the while avoiding becoming judgmental. Our spiritual director for the hour is Father Jim Goins, the pastor of St. Eugene Parish in Oklahoma City. Welcome back to the program, Father Jim. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, Father, so let's start with the whole idea, the whole concept of judgment. What is judgment? And it's ultimately, as we understand it, reserved to God. And why and how do we do it? Is there ever a good way or good time for us to do it? I think a good definition of judgment would be it is a conclusion we make about the totality of a person's soul or their inner being or their, you know, their wealth as uh, their value rather as a person or a believer. That's the harsh Side of judgment. We make these unfounded conclusions based on a snippet of information about them, 
and the judgment is generally rather sweeping. Oh, that person is a liar, or that person is, you know, of low morals, that person cannot be trusted. Sweeping judgments based on very limited information. Hmm. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I think maybe what we're running into here in part, though, is is one of the maybe the disadvantages of uh, our English language that doesn't necessarily specify, because we also use the term judgment when we're thinking about, you know, making a considered decision about something uh, that, you know, we, we, we talk about being able to have good judgment as well. But that's something a little bit different than what you're talking about. I would urge your listeners to consider the word discernment. So judgment in the scriptures has a very negative connotation. And yet we have to discern actions. So judgment seems to often be reserved to the worth of people, at least in the scriptural context when it is condemned, judgment is considered something that is sinful. And yet we are, by necessity, called to discern, discern the spirits, Paul tells us. We have to discern whether actions are moral and right or whether they are sinful. So I, at least in my mind, I always try to differentiate between judgment and discernment. Hmm. Okay, I like the clarification there, Father. But let's let's drill down a little bit further because, as I was suggesting in the opening there, that it can get tricky because there is. Well, I'll speak for myself and um, just just kind of thinking that perhaps it may be present in other people's lives as well. That if I look on somebody who is clearly, I'm discerning that the action that they are partaking in is not of God, is perhaps indeed maybe even sinful or evil. Um, there's a real, how should I put it? There's a real uh, impulse there, which I, I'm not saying it's a positive one or a good one, but there's an impulse there then to look down upon that person. And that's what I struggle with when it comes to being judgmental. Is that is that an example of being judgmental? It is, but you have to remember that we are sinners in need of salvation It's going to be very difficult for us, sinful people, to separate those neatly. It's it's seldom done neatly. There's always a messiness. We think we're discerning actions, and yet then sometimes we will stray into judgment. That's why we are called to repent. That's why we are called to stand before God and ask for forgiveness if we have judged anyone wrongly. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, I'm 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 tracking with you there. I, I understand what you're what you're getting at and what you're suggesting. So instead of maybe viewing somebody who's committing an act that is uh, well distasteful at best, if not altogether sinful. Um, and then we're not to then judge the, as you put it, the entirety of their being, of their soul at that point. We're not to label or, or render these judgments on that person. What is our proper response in that in that moment, Father? The proper response is very often silence. 
to simply okay. let people be who they are, give them over to God's mercy. Very often, we are not required to say anything. There is no need for us to intervene in any way. We simply accept the fact that they are free as we are free, and they have made decisions to to live a certain way. We disagree with it, but so often all we really have to do is mind our own business. Hmm. Well, <laughs> sometimes easier said than done, but I will also True. say that um, let's take it one step further. By the way, our spiritual director today, Father Jim Goins, pastor of St. Eugene Parish in Oklahoma City, and we're talking today about judgment and specifically judging others and what that means and how we can avoid it so the uh, measure with which we measure is not measured out again to us. Um, so specifically, Father, I, I, I can sometimes, and maybe I'm getting, I, I guess I would say, I'm thanks be to God, getting better at this, of holding my tongue or say, you know, not saying anything in particular. But at the same time, um, there's still this, uh, this uncomfortability within me. There's, there's something that uh, is kind of stirring within me. Is that... How does that feeling, I mean, that could be a temptation. When does that temptation then become uh, something that I need to deal with, a, a sinful inclination? Well, it's a, an inclination, and if it's simply a feeling, then you're not really culpable for that. If it rises to the level where you find yourself making conclusions about them, whether it's aloud or within your mind, you know, then at that point, it would become sinful, judgmental. Mm -hmm. But simply to notice the way people act or the way they dress or speak, or we can't help that. I mean, we are human beings and we see and hear and we, you know, we notice that simply noticing it is not sinful. It's when we dwell on it and dwell on them and speculate about their character or think to ourselves the way the publican does in the Scripture, mm. thank God I am not like other men. So if I catch myself saying, oh, thank God I'm not like that person, then I have crossed into judgment and I have crossed into sin and should repent of it. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that clarification, Father, that's bringing about all sorts of thoughts for me to consider in my own spiritual life. Hopefully in the spiritual life of our listeners as well. We're speaking today with our spiritual director, Father Jim Goins. When was a time when you maybe found yourself in this situation of at least leaning towards judgmentalism? What did you do or what have you done in your life of faith to overcome be being judgmental? Um, and perhaps there is a way in which somebody gave you some advice about how to um, how to avoid being being judgmental. Give us a call, encourage and inspire one another. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine is our phone number, or you can send us an email: innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, one thing, I mean, I, I really do appreciate and can understand the value of holding one's tongue, certainly. Um, but there is, of course, in the spiritual works of mercy, there is the injunction to, or the uh, the the commendation, the commandment to um, to admonish the sinner as well. 
I think we need to tread lightly here, but why don't you uh, outline for us what does that mean to admonish the sinner and how might we enter into it with love? I think that is properly reserved to the appropriate person. For example, parents have the right to admonish their children. Bishops are the foremost teachers of morality and faith within a diocese. So bishops and parents, for example, that's part of their ministry, is to admonish in a loving way. Pastors, we have a limited authority to do that. I have a limited authority to admonish sinners, and that can be done lovingly in the confessional. I can have a conversation with someone and tell them, you know, look, this behavior is wrong. You know, cease the behavior. You're called to something better than this. So a limited authority, for the most part, to be honest with you, that authority to admonish the sinner does not apply to people that we just randomly encounter in our lives or people who are under the authority of other people. So my neighbor, for example, maybe I don't like my neighbor. Maybe I don't like the life he leads. I do not have the authority, spiritual authority, to admonish my neighbor for the perceived sins that I observe. I don't have that authority. Right. Well, you bring up the neighbor, Father, and I think oftentimes um, the places where I encounter these these temptations towards becoming judgmental in my own life are people who, like neighbors, that I encounter pretty regularly rather than just a random encounter with someone on the street. Um, And if that's the case, though, how might we uh, constructively have a conversation about something. Yeah, I don't know. Let's take let's make take a hypothetical example. Like the neighbor just le- lets his lawn grow way too long. <laughs> this is right. entirely hypothetical, but let's let's say that that's the thing that's really bugging me. And uh, then is there is there a way to have a constructive conversation in love that does not convey judgmentalism, but does work towards you know a, a sense of harmony? Well, I suppose you could go to your neighbor and say, hey, you know, I can pick up the phone and I can call and complain about your yard, but I don't want to cause you that hassle with the city. So I'm just going to ask you as your neighbor, could you mow your lawn? And perhaps if they can't, maybe they're physically unable Maybe I could say, could I help you mow your lawn? Uh, There are loving ways to do that. And if that doesn't work, then there are avenues that are appropriate. You can complain about someone's yard. In my previous assignment, when I lived in a university town, I had a house next door. My Lord, it drove me crazy. You know, they would not mow. It was rat infested. You know, it was just horrible. And when I could not get any satisfaction from the people who lived there, I had to call the city. But I always tried first to engage the neighbor, to try to get to know the neighbor. 
and maybe strike up a friendship and then tell them, hey, you know, do you think maybe you'll be able to mow your lawn? (laughs) Um, That seems like kind of a silly example. Where I see it so often in people's lives, it's in the workplace. Mm, That's where a lot of this happens. You work with people, and it is so easy to judge them because think of it. A lot of people spend more time with their coworkers than they do with family. They are with them seven, eight hours a day, five days a week. And over time, they get to know all of their foibles. They know lots of their history. And the temptation to judge them is constant or near yeah. constant, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, so so glad that you mentioned that, Father, because it seems like there is a lot uh, to be gained from taking the time to develop a relationship with a person and understand their, yeah, their good points as well as any bad points we might be noticing or struggling points that we may be noticing, and and build a foundation of trust there before we go into some of these uh, conversations. Our spiritual director today, Father Jim Goins, pastor of Saint Eugene Parish in Oklahoma City, as we're talking about judgment and judgmentalism and how to avoid it. Let's go to the phones, Father. We've got Shelly, who's calling in from Kentucky. Shelly, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, Father Jim, you had mentioned that parents um, are certainly able to to talk to their children about their actions, and I love my three children, but my 20-year-old, who recently moved out on his own, dropped out of college, has a full-time job, um, unfortunately, um, and against my wishes and, and his father's, that we've talk to him about his recreational use of marijuana. Um, he doesn't see that as a as a problem. He's on his own, so we feel like we have, you know, obviously less control over that, and we've told him in no uncertain terms, do not come to our home even smelling like that, much less thinking that he can use that while he's in our home. But just wondering how far to get him to, to see that that this is detrimental physically, psychologically, uh, legally, um, and I'll, I'll hang up and listen, and I appreciate any suggestions. My goodness, you have reached a sympathetic ear. I live in a state where weed is all but recreational. We have so many people here in Oklahoma who are smoking weed And to the point where it's, you know, changing their psychology. I mean, they're they're hitting these breaking points with psychosis. As we have found out, weed, as it is now, has been engineered, bioengineered. It's a very powerful drug. You absolutely have the right to tell that young man, your son, this young man you brought into this world, you have the right to warn him of the dangers of the drug. It's not the marijuana from the 1970s. It's not old-fashioned weed. It is very potent, and it is very dangerous, especially for young people. So if I were you, I would not give up. I would be loving, and it sounds like you are, but I think the boundaries that you're setting are very appropriate. And that you and your husband should continue to uh, admonish him, persuade him, cajole him if you have to, because this is a serious health risk 
for young people if they get addicted to it, and they can. Very good. Very good, Shelley. Thank you for uh, your honest question, and thank you for something that is, yeah, uh, I mean, issues in which it, I think it brings to the fore some of the things that we're talking about here today. As we're talking about judging others and be, being trying to avoid judgmentalism, towards others, but yet still at the same time entering into loving conversations with them as well with our spiritual director, Father Jim Goins. Is there a time when you were more judgmental than you are now? Have you made progress in being judgmental towards others? And what have you found to be some of the secrets of avoiding judgmentalism altogether? Give us a call. Let us know. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We got more to come on The Inner Life. We'll be back right after this. Today, we'd like to thank Teresa, who is listening in New Mexico, for donating her 1955 Plymouth Plaza. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. Very good. Welcome back to the Inner Life. Always nice to hear a little Aretha, Aretha as we are to go back and talking about judgment and judging others. You better think about what you're trying to do to me. Um, when you're judging me, judging others, uh, we better think about it. That's what the gospel tells us, what Jesus tells us as well. Our spiritual director today is Father Jim Goins. If you have a way that you have grown in your uh, your rejection of becoming a judgmental person, if you have uh, conquered judgmentalism, if the Lord has done something in your life to help you be less judgmental, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Back to the phones we go. We've got James, who's calling in from Milwaukee. James, welcome to The Inner Life. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm a little uh, unsure if I've missed a premise of the initial discussion, but some of the things I've heard Father say, I just wanted to take it from a, a loving masculine perspective that's being missed out of today's society that I think is leading a lot of people astray. Some of the most kind and loving things I've had men say to me to shape me in uh, my role as a human and uniquely a man has been a very quick, swift, terse, but loving statement. Hey, you got to, you got to do this, or I expect this out of you. And it, a lot of them haven't entered into a quote unquote, loving relationship, a feminization of a relationship. They've kept it on a masculine side of an expectation, which I have interpreted as loving. And when we start looking at some of the gender phobia stuff that's happening, I think men need to embrace being okay, pointing others to heaven and saying, I think this is, the, this is where the gate is. I think this is where we need to head. And you're going the wrong way without knowing them in a loving relationship. Men need to speak out to each other in a very kind-hearted but uh, uh, understandable way to everyone you might not even know in society to point them towards heaven and then have the humility in letting the Holy Spirit work on you as you're saying those things. So Father has said a few things, and when I look at the priesthood and I look at fatherhood within families, there's not enough masculinity and judgment that's being provided to society as a whole. These men who gave you the uh, swift uh, encouragement or direction 
these were not strangers. These were men that you knew, correct? No, some of them are strangers. Some of the most influential they things are uh, being at the grave. No, like being at the grave site during a Veterans Day and standing on the grave, having uh, a man come over and say, "Hey, get off the grave." Somebody okay. buried there. So the action you know, was inappropriate. So, yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, a lot of a lot of the things have been uh, a lot of the things have been moments where, um, and and I find myself in my own life. I try to go out. I try to engage people, and sometimes I only in and a half thirty seconds. And if I see somebody do something wrong, uh, in my perspective of let's say protecting the womb or protecting things like opening the door for their mother or opening the door for a lady, I'll say, sir, here, let me get the door for you, but you should really open the door for your mom. As a complete stranger, I say that to people. Okay, well, I I am from the South, and I would not do that because that is not what Southerners typically would do. I think I would be more reticent than you are with some of that. But I think you, you have a valid point, and I want to validate your point that there is the need for men to give guidance, especially to other men, and the way that men do it is different than the way women would do it. And so when I say, you know, in a loving way, I don't mean that men have to do it the way women would do it. But when my father would admonish me, I knew from my history with my father that it was being done in a loving way, but differently than my mother would do it. Does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. When we look at society and how society is currently falling apart, those silo relationships of only being in the inner family and being able to have a deep relationship with somebody before suggesting a proper route to heaven is misguided. We need to reach out to people that we can't form loving relationships. We need to reach out to people that we sometimes have to, in our best intention, point them towards a path. So if I'm not I would encourage encourage you to consider leaving that to the church authority, the pope, the bishops, you know, the, the preaching of the church that reaches out to all men and women and teaches all men and women. So I think there are appropriate ways to do that, but I don't think that most ordinary Christians should go up to strangers and make conclusions about their lives. I I will stand by that. I just think that's, that's judgmental, and I don't think that wins us any converts. Yeah. So we may a, have an honest disagreement. Yeah, and and that's okay. That's welcome here on the inner life. We're we're okay with a bit of disagreement. That's fine. And James, I thank you for your call and I think that there's there's things to be considered there certainly and his father said to uh definitely to lean into and to to um yeah, to agree with you on on at least some of the points that you were making there. So I appreciate the call and I appreciate what you're what you're saying, what you're thinking. Let's uh let's uh continue to keep that in our prayers. And I think really father this is this is starting to really get down into the nitty-gritty of it's it's not always easy. It's not always easy it to know not. what what is the right thing to do. 
Absolutely. It is difficult sometimes to discern the right path and what to do. That's why I kind of like the, if you will, the more systematic approach. Do I have authority over this person? Is this a person, you know, over whom I have some authority? Is this a person who I have a relationship with that is, you know, a loving relationship in, uh, I guess I'll have to stick with that word, you know, is this a loving relationship? I don't think if we go in as an adversary, I don't think it helps. I don't think we win them over if we go in adversarily. Because the assumption is we go in saying, hey, you're a mess. You're a moral mess, and I'm here to to get you straight. Yeah. And that doesn't work. I just don't think it works. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, well, let's let's continue the conversation. Let's see where it takes us. Uh, let's go now to Marco, who's calling in just up I-94 from James there in Madison, Wisconsin. So, Marco, welcome to The Inner Life. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I welcome. have just a comment you had put out there. Have we learned anything about how to avoid judgment? And I just wanted to share one little uh, truth nugget that had been shared with me, and I found a lot of life. Uh, in in this and the and what I just describe as kind of a a habit that I'm starting to form is that when I notice that I'm annoyed or bothered by something someone else is doing, for example, you mentioned my neighbor who doesn't mow their lawn mm-hmm. uh, a few minutes ago. Um, I systematically just rely on the truth that that same issue exists in my own life in my own habits somewhere and in leaning in on that i'm almost always able to find some version of the same issue in my own life which of course takes it from you know from outside of my sphere of influence directly into my sphere of influence and if i can find it in myself why then i can do something about it uh so sometimes that's like a direct parallel right like they don't trim their grass i don't trim my bushes and other times it's more of a, a metaphorical connection. They don't trim their grass and keep their yard neat, and I don't keep my finances neat. Um, but in any event, this is always – go ahead. Great. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that's great stuff. That's a very good insight. Yeah, and I think Marco, you've hit the nail on the head with me. A lot of times, I do find that when I, when I, in my better moments, take the time to think, okay, I'm, I'm, there's judgmental thoughts heaping up in my mind about this particular person or some practice that this person is doing. Yeah, if when my better moments and I take a look at my own life, okay, wait a minute, there's some parallels here, and is it something that we're just upset with in our own life? Great insight, Marco. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Our spiritual director today is Father Jim Goins, pastor of St. Eugene Parish in Oklahoma City, talking about judgmentalism. If there has been a way that you have grown in avoiding judgmentalism, becoming less judgmental towards others, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Thanks, Marco, for the call. Let's go now to Chris, who's calling in from the Bay Area out in California. Chris, welcome to The Inner Life. Hey, Pat and Padre, thanks for taking my call. I used to be incredibly judgmental back in the day, and I'm in the Bay Area, so you know there's a lot of things to be judgmental about. And I'll tell you, what turned my life around was uh, I was on a retreat once in college, and somebody much more uh, traditionalist and conservative than I also was on the retreat, 
and brought me aside and just literally laid into me from a judgment perspective. Now, this is not someone I knew well. Quite frankly, it was someone I did not particularly care for. And I just kind of sat there for about an hour as this person laid into me. And I was like, man, I was a real jerk if I was doing this to other people. And there's got to be a better way of doing this. So, you know, I went back and talked to my buddy who's a Dominican. And, you know, he, was, he brought up the point of, you know, every, most uh, places in the Bible, when they get to judgment, they start with love. They meet people where they're at. And then when that ready for invitation to come in comes in, that's when you do the invitation. And I, I really just changed my approach with everything. I just, I live my life the way I live my life, which is as bestly according to the church as I can. Thank God for the sacrament of reconciliation. And, you know, oftentimes people ask me why I'm doing the certain things I'm doing or why do I avoid going to certain things in the Bay Area? And I tell them, uh, it's because I'm, you know, I'm Catholic or because of this or because of that. Or, you know, I abstain from meat on Fridays and then they want to learn more. And the only times I've actually really gotten upset with folks was probably one of my best friends who has a very different relationship when he was saying he is Catholic but didn't uh, believe in transubstantiation. And I was trying to explain to him how you theologically can't do that, and he wouldn't buy for it because he was going with the cultural argument. So I found leading with love is the best example and just leading your life and inviting people in when they're ready to be invited in. I agree totally, and I think if you look at some of the famous encounters that the Lord had with notorious sinners, he was not adversarial with them. The woman at the well, what was the first thing he did? He asked her for a cup of water, a woman he should not talk to, who was beneath him in every sense of you know, this, the word according to society, and yet he asked her, or a favor. Hey, I'm thirsty. Can you give me a cup of water? You know, very human, very down to earth, very non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like about that too, Father, about Jesus approaching the woman at the well is um, it it uh, it in a sense it gives up some power to the other person, right? I mean, it, it says, um, "Could you help me with this?" So it's already placing yourself at least on an equal plane, if not even somewhat beneath the other person. Um, and maybe that's exactly. a good way of approaching exactly. it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, lead with love. Chris, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. And let's continue hopping around the country here. We've got Joe who's calling in from Houston, Texas. Joe, welcome. Hey, Patrick. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing doing great now. Thank you. I have uh, just a, a comment about the judge everybody and everything and uh, <laughs> didn't really care. And, and now that's uh, something that I've confessed and it was almost always just in my heart or in my mind. I didn't act on it, shall we say, but still, uh, if I saw a homeless person on the street, you know, I'd say, well, you're just lazy. Or if I heard about somebody who was uh, addicted to drugs, I'd say, well, you're just weak. Or if I saw somebody who was obesely overweight, uh, you know, I judged their eating and their, their lifestyle. Until, until it was discovered uh, that I was addicted to pornography. And uh, when that happened and it came out and I had to come to terms with it and come to grip with grips with what 
it meant for my life and how I could uh, overcome it. Uh, wow, uh, it has changed my my outlook on others radically and drastically. And uh, now, when I look at others in, who I previously would have judged, I look at them and I and I have such empathy for them. Uh, I just enter into whatever it is that that's going on with them. And I certainly try to stay far away from judging them because now I know what uh, that is all about and how difficult it can be to, uh, to get over something like that. So anyway, that, that experience has changed me. And so I try very, very consciously not to judge uh, people's lives and situations just based on what I can see and, you know, what little I might know about them. That is extremely important to realize that each and every one of us have our own struggle, our own sinfulness that we have to take to the cross. And if I'm too busy judging other people, I will never get to the cross myself. So I appreciate your phone call. Mm. Yeah, great, Joe. Great uh, recognition that once again, yeah, being being very uh, well. You know, let's take the words of Jesus, right? Let's uh, let's take the log out of our own eye before we start start taking the speck out of the other ones. So, um, yeah, yeah, very good reminder too. Father, before we take another quick break, I just wanted to, there's a, an email that's come in asking for your advice uh, from Anonymous who says, can a person tactfully and with kindness speak to a friend who is regularly just dumping her problems on them? She said she doesn't wish to judge her or stop being a friend. And that's from Anonymous. Thanks for any advice. I think that it would be a very good thing, actually, for that person to go to their friend and say, Listen, um, it is becoming very difficult for me to actually hear your problems. I want to be a good friend, and I want to actually hear you, but because there is so much, I find it difficult to keep track of it or to stay on point with you or to actually focus in on what you were saying to me because I am simply overwhelmed by it. That is a, you know, very honest, but not unkind way to do it. It's like, look, I can't, just can't hear it anymore because I'm overwhelmed. Right. Okay. Very good. Well, Anonymous, I hope that helps. Our spiritual director today is Father Jim Goins, pastor of St. Eugene Parish in Oklahoma City. And we are talking today about judgmentalism and judging others. Are there, are there ways in which you have really found helpful to consider Maybe the situations that you find yourself in where you're tempted to be judgmental and help you avoid being judgmental. Give us a call. Encourage and inspire one another. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149 is our studio number. And you can also give us send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. Need to take another short break, but we'll be back with more right after this. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. 
More information at AveMariaFunds.com. If you don't love your neighbor, if you gossip about him, if you never have mercy, if he gets into trouble, welcome back to the Other Life on Relevant Radio. RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley, and my thanks to Nick Sendovich, our producer, along with both Sarah, Sarah Tafoya, and Cyrus Simcoe, who fielding some phone calls this morning for us. And thanks to our spiritual director, Father Jim Goins, pastor of St. Eugene Parish in Oklahoma City, as we're speaking about judgmentalism and, and growing away from that, growing in our Lord and the virtue of, uh, yeah, meeting people where they're at and not, uh, not judging them in the entirety of their person. Uh, let's go take another phone call, Father. We've got David, who's been waiting patiently in Los Angeles, California. David, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, hello. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to share one gem and then one experience I had. The gem that I found a while ago is a person who's upsetting me, or maybe a situation, I can think to myself, you know, as far as I feel, God loves this person more. No matter how upset I am, God loves this person more than I do right now. And then the experience that I had, which struck me as uh, I was about to receive Holy Communion, I was disturbed by someone in the pew, and after having received communion and gotten back to my kneeler, it suddenly struck me, I have every right to be upset, but I also have every right to let it go. And uh, it just resonated with me since then. So I just wanted to share that, and thank you both, and have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Very good. Great. Yeah, and sometimes it are these these little things that just strike us, like David just said, um, that that really give us something to latch on to whenever we're faced with that. And maybe that's a good thing to to carry around, something that we, you can carry around with you um, that will help you avoid that. Father, I, I'm particularly curious about in your life as a priest, um, and I've heard tell... Um, not revealing, of course, anything that's said in the confessional, but in some conversations with other priests that I've had, um, that some people can enter into the confession and start confessing sins that are not their own. Is this? Re- <laughs> I just think it ties. It ties in with the whole theme and the 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 theme of the show oh today. Gosh. Is that if it, you only knew <laughs> there is this temptation, and I have known it myself, but there is a temptation. Once we get into the confessional, and I think it's because we don't want the priest to think that we're a bad person, but the temptation is to begin to tell the priest the sins of other people. You know, I'm irritable because so-and-so did this and this and this, and, you know, all these terrible things this person has done that has made me you know, irritable or whatever, but then you realize, well, you've told me all the sins of these people who are not here. What a, Should I assign a penance for them and have you go tell them what their penance <laughs> is? I, what do I do here? So I always encourage people, you know, I understand the dynamic, but if you are tempted to tell the priest the sin of someone else, resist it. They're not there. They can't defend themselves. Um, it's not what we're up to, what we're about in that moment. You know, stick to your sins and not other people's sins, because that is a form of judgmentalism. It's very subtle, but it is. It is judgmentalism on these 
folks who aren't even in the confessional. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, well, I mean, I it just crossed my mind and, and curious. And all right, so this is this is revealing a little bit, maybe too much information about me. But uh, I got to say that I'm uh, regular listeners to the program have come to know this about me. I think that I'm a I'm a little bit of a liturgy nerd. I like to be liturgically correct. And I have to close my eyes sometimes just at at things going on around me in mass. Um, And and I'm not saying just from the parishioners in the pews. uh, It's uh, other stuff, too, sometimes. But I I just need to uh, focus because uh, I can see something done poorly or improperly or something like that. And I can I can get kind of agitated about that. And I'm guessing uh, this is all leading up to Father. as a priest or maybe even just personally, I mean, do you, do you struggle? If I may ask, do you struggle with anything along those lines? I mean, being judgmental. Let me tell you a brief story about that. Okay. My first assignment for three years, this, this woman, very faithful woman, same pew every Sunday, and I would begin preaching and she would take out her, what I thought was her checkbook and a pen. And we would begin. I thought she was, Balancing the checkbook for three years, I would watch this woman do this, and I kept thinking, how rude. You will not listen to my brilliant homily, and you are there doodling or or balancing your checkbook, and it really ate on me. I never confronted her, but I found that I was avoiding her because I thought she was such a rude person at my going-away party. She comes up to me and she said, I'm going to miss you so much. I always took notes on your homily. <laughs> I felt like a worm. I just uh, felt so horrible. And then that moment I realized, wow, for three years I judged that woman. And yeah. she was saintlier than I. Yeah, that's yeah. a... It was a humbling lesson. Humbling. Well, that, that might bring up some some ideas about uh, about assumptions and judgmentalism. That there are there are oftentimes assumptions being made, even just from your story, Father. Right? That uh, could lead us to being judgmental where it's obviously not warranted. Exactly. Yeah. When we make assumptions about people based on the way they look or the way they dress or. Yeah. You know, I don't know the way they're acting. Again, we're only seeing a sliver of their life, and we don't even know what's motivated them to do what they're doing. Everyone, I love that saying, you know, be kind because everyone is struggling with something monumental. All of us are struggling with something, and more kindness is needed and less judgment. Well, amen to that, without a doubt. So very good, Father. Let's uh, take another phone call. We've got Darlene, who's calling in from Maine. Darlene, just a few minutes left. So, um, yeah, welcome to the inner life. Okay. My question is, how do you not be judgmental when, um, okay, for instance, my son is married and his wife has a child who wants to be a boy. She was born a girl. And they want me to start calling her by her boy name. How do you not be judgmental? Plus, I have two grandsons that live in the house, too. And I don't, in this in this culture, I don't know how to deal with that. That's my question. <laughs> 
That's a great question. It's a horrible dilemma. We're facing that in my own um, diocese. We, we have instances of this. If that would violate your conscience, uh, you could have a talk with your, with your child and say, if you ask me to do this, it violates my conscience. Now, you would have to weigh the cost, count the cost. You know, would it be worth rupturing your relationship with your family? Uh, it is a very difficult situation to be in. And, of course, we're living in a, in a culture that does not understand the holiness of the body. We're living in a culture that does not understand, you know, what it means to be a man or a woman. And you are on the front lines of that of that struggle and know of my prayers. That's a tough choice you will have to make. Yeah. I was just thinking too, Darlene, that yes, we will be praying for you in that situation. And to, to circle back to something you said before, Father, that might be helpful for Darlene. I mean, one of the things that I oftentimes find is if I stop and think about it for a moment, maybe one of those things, one of those ways of approaching, like Jesus approached the woman at the well of placing myself at least on an equal footing, if not somewhat below the other person is to say, all right, honestly, this is really tough for me. Like in Darlene's case is to say, exactly, you know, this, yeah. is, this is really hard for me um, because I don't want to cut you out of my life. But at the same time, my my faith, my beliefs are so, um, so, so much a part of who I am that it makes it uh, impossible for me to comply with your request. What do you think about some, an approach like that, Father? I think that's a great approach and maybe try to come to some compromise. Maybe there's a nickname that you could call them. I, I think trying to preserve the family is of great value here. Mm. So that I would place that as a very high value here. But also your conscience and that you do not want to participate in this great pretending that the culture is entered into. I understand that. Mm. But you're going to have to weigh in the balance the worth of keeping a relationship with your family over a name? Or would you lose that over a name? Ah, I'm glad I don't have yeah. to make that choice. Well, some difficult conversations ahead, Darlene, but we will be praying for you. Let's pray for Darlene. And Father, if you could give a blessing, not only for Darlene, but for all of us, please. May the Lord God look upon you with great love and mercy. May he purify your heart. May he give you a heart of compassion and goodness. May he give you eyes to see the best in all people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Jim Goins, we thank you for being our spiritual director today. And thank you for listening and for all the calls we had as well. Sorry we couldn't get you all on the air, but thank you for calling and making The Inner Life a great show. Tomorrow here, we're going to be talking about sacramental validity. Until then, grace and peace.